Can Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson emerge into a foundational player for the offensive side of the ball? You might be asking the question, why isn't he already a foundational player? Well, we'll talk about that on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, Broncos country? Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Can Russell Wilson emerge into one of the Denver Broncos offenses, top foundational players this upcoming season? And who might be the three foundational players that make up the roster this upcoming season? We'll dive deep into that on today's episode of the show. Thank you so much, Broncos country, for tuning in, making Locked On Broncos your first listen of the day. Every single day, make sure you subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss out on a day's worth of Broncos news, content, coverage, and analysis every single day, all year long. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter from Mile High Sports, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Sarah Bettinger, site expert, predominantlyorange.com. And folks, this show is brought to you by our good friends today, LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sarah, my friend, hey, it's great to be back with you and everybody in Broncos country for yet another episode of the show as we approach training camp. You're an everydayer. Yesterday's episode, we talked about foundational players on the defensive side of the ball. So if you missed that, make sure you go check that out after you catch this episode here today. But talking about the offensive side of the ball now, and Sarah, I think that a, a lot of people, right? I think there's going to be some interesting discussion on social media, also here in the YouTube comments about what we're going to talk about here. Can Russell Wilson emerge into a foundational player for the offense this upcoming season? And some people might be asking, like, isn't he already an offensive foundation piece? Well, I would say you can make an argument based on last year, he didn't emerge as a foundational piece, though I'd say he's important, right? I think there are two different ways we can view it. Yes, he's important to the offense, but is he foundational yet to the team? That is a question we want to have answered this year. And I think you and I talked about this yesterday before we even, you know, we planned out this episode and we're talking about how do we want to organize it? What players do we want to pick? And I think you and I both agree that really when you think about the foundation of the Denver Broncos, specifically on offense, Russell Wilson is one of those guys that, okay, you plan on him being that foundation piece or one of those foundation pieces. And if he's not able to be, that's kind of when that picture of everything crumbling sort of happens, right? If, if Russ isn't a foundation piece, this whole operation sort of crumbles a little bit. And not to say that that, that doesn't you know discount Sean Payton or anybody else potentially being an impact on the team. But really, Russell Wilson is one of those guys that a lot of things hinge upon. He is that key player that I think he has to be a foundation guy. It may, like you said, he may not currently be as of last year, what we saw that wasn't a foundation that you want to build on, but Russ has to be a foundation player. He has to be for this team. He's, I mean, the 240 some odd million dollar man. He is that guy out there. That's going to, I mean, he's top five, top 10 among quarterbacks in terms of average annual pay. Certainly one of the highest guarantees ever given out in NFL history. So he has to be a foundational piece. And it really starts with getting back to what made him great in Seattle, right? And he was so good for 10 years. One of the winning, and matter of fact, 
more wins over his first 10 seasons than any other quarterback in NFL history. You want to talk about a foundation piece. That is it right there. That doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't happen just because you have a great defense. That happens because Russell Wilson is a guy out there who, uh, even if you want to be as you know negative as possible, if, if all he was doing out there was managing the game well and hitting those deep shots every so often, he was doing it at a tremendously high rate and consistently. So he has to become a foundation piece for this Denver Broncos offense. I think for the reasons that you mentioned, the contract, the stature, the previous history, he was a foundational piece in Seattle. He's got to live up to that, right? I think because of the contract, he needs to be that for the Denver Broncos. And look, I, I, I feel like we've said this a million times on the show because I still feel like blame from different sections of, of different fans and whatnot that, that watch the show sometimes, it goes solely on Russell Wilson. And I think at the end of the day, that's not the case. Russ deserves part of the blame. Nathaniel Hackett deserves part of the blame. And overall, the offensive coaching staff from last year deserves a great portion of the blame. Like there is equal blame to go around. It's not just, oh, it's Russell Wilson's fault. It's not just solely Nathaniel Hackett's fault. The operation on the offensive side of the ball last year was not good enough. And it was not efficient. There was no cohesiveness. And they designed things from a standpoint that, hey, we're going to run the offense through Javante Williams. Well, you lose him. The offense crumbled after that. And they really didn't recover. We'll talk about that a little bit later on today's episode of the show. But for Russell Wilson, I, I felt like last year, based on how the offense was designed and structured, it seemed like there was a lot of backyard football. And there was a lot of him just trying to do too much, which ultimately, you don't want any quarterback to have to do too much. You, you need to have a system in place that promotes what he does well. And I think that is the biggest key here for Sean Payton coming in is trying to maximize what Russ does well. We've heard Sean Payton talk about it exclusively. We're going to build the greatest hits. We're going to build a playlist around what Russell Wilson did really well throughout his career that led him into becoming one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. And we want to carry that over here in Denver. And I think that Russ has all the pieces around him when we're talking about skill players, when we're talking about maybe the outlook at running back right now. And we also talk about offensive line looking much more improved on paper, at least than it has been throughout the course of his first season with the Denver Broncos. And Cody, really, uh, all those factors coming into play, especially, I think, Sean Payton coming in. That's what's going to be this key factor. I think this has gone a bit underrated in the offseason as well. A lot of people maybe don't know that Drew Brees is a big mentor for Russell Wilson. At least we know that he was, you know, Russ was kind of bugging Drew right after the Sean Payton hire or during that process, right? He was kind of texting him and reaching out to him. And certainly when you look at their physical makeup, the things that Drew Brees was able to do well, a lot of the concerns about what Russell Wilson is able to do from the pocket at his size, Drew Brees was able to do at a similar size. So Sean Payton's going to be able to come in, I think. And really, I mean, it's way too optimistic of me to say this, but I think really elevate Russ's game to a point that maybe we've never even seen before. I don't even know that it's just a conversation of getting him back to what he was, Cody. It may be a conversation of like evolving way past that to where Russ can do things from the pocket that we've never even seen before. And so there's, I think that discussion has a cap on it a little bit, just because really what people are looking for is, Hey, we, the, the Broncos need to get back to scoring points, getting first downs and not getting into too many third down situations, converting in the red zone, right? The the conversation has been boiled down to such simple things. But what if like what if Sean Payton is able to take Russ from not just back to the guy that he was in Seattle, but well beyond that to somebody who is able to win 
from the pocket more often because that has been a problem area for Russ through the years is consistently winning from the pocket. And that hasn't really been that big of a problem for him, quite frankly, until last year when we saw, man, you can't go out there and do the same things that Peyton Manning did, right? You can't go out there and, and run your version of the offense or try to run your version with Hackett's version. I, I think Sean Payton, Cody, is, and whatever Russ is getting in terms of direction from Drew Brees as well, or if it's been minimal or if it's even just been encouragement, I think there is a level to this discussion about him as a foundation piece to where Sean Payton can help bring him improved offensive line, improved running game. Like there's a beyond what we've even been discussing level to all of this. Well, and I think uh, another thing I want to drive home here in terms of points is looking at OTAs, looking at minicamp and you talk about it, standing in the pocket, delivering strikes, like just consistent, quick passing game. That's what we saw from us. Like I saw a more decisive Russell Wilson in OTAs and minicamp than I did last year in training camp. With Russ now, granted, look, there is simulated pressure, but there's no contact allowed in OTAs in minicamp, and so it's like for me, how how realistic was it that we saw? You know, but overall, the one thing I liked about Russ, that I think we can talk about and we can build on here and give us an idea is okay, hey, he is decisive. He was taking his drop back, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. He knew where he was going. He was reading the defense, and he was at finding the open man, the best available outlet option. And if there wasn't any question to it. There was no hesitation. There was no, okay, hold on to it. Look, 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 run around, try to find things. There was none of that that we noticed during OTAs in minicamp. And I think that's a good thing for the Broncos. And if he plays well and he plays to the standard that Sean Payton wants to bring him to, he will be a foundational piece for the Broncos offense, not only just this year, but maybe for the remainder of his career in the NFL. In Broncos country, the next guy we're going to talk about on today's episode of the show has all the tools at the wide receiver position to be a foundational talent. It's all there. What does he need to do to piece it together? We'll talk about Jerry Judy on today's episode, Locked on Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there, LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates that are available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And when you go to LinkedIn jobs, it's easy to create a free job post in just minutes. Then all you do is you add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. Make sure you start off this year with a strong note by hiring the right team member with LinkedIn Jobs. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's LinkedIn. Dot com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. There could be a lot of money at stake. If Jerry Judy can prove to be exactly what we are talking about here today on the show, a foundational piece of the Denver Broncos offense. We already know the Broncos picked up that fifth year option for Jerry Judy in 2024. So he is under contract beyond this season, but Cody, like I said, a lot of money could be on the line if he can prove in 2023 to be a foundational piece. Somebody the Broncos cannot live without. I mean, there might be 25 to $30 million per year at stake for Jerry Judy, and that is significant. And it's it starts with really proving that, okay, that 2020 NFL draft class that he was part of, a lot of really good receivers from that class, Justin Jefferson, 
C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins. Those guys are all going to likely get paid before Jerry Judy. But if he can go out there and prove to be a top 10, top 15 guy, I know that's high expectations. He could get to that same level. What does he have to do in 2023 to prove that he is? We talked about him last year saying on this show multiple times, he's the best offensive player on the Broncos as of last year. What does he have to do to prove in 2023 that he's not just the best offensive player on the team, but a foundational player to this offense? He has to go and he has to keep stacking. I mean, the, the finish that he had last year was fun to watch. I mean, we talk about production and I, I think another thing with Jerry, I think we really have to truly put into perspective the course of his entire career here in Denver. We make the argument all the time. I, I think you look at where Justin Jefferson went in Minnesota and you look at the situation that he was in. I mean, Sarah, it's, it was more of a beneficial situation to be in when you talk about quarterback, you talk about offensive capacity. Justin Jefferson is going to get paid a ton of money, probably a record-setting contract when it's all said and done. And that's because I think he was in a situation that was far more beneficial. And we see this with other teams around the NFL so often and really, really good players that were like, why is this player on this team? You could say that was the case maybe for Jerry Judy in the first couple of years in Denver because the offense just simply wasn't there. They had a good defense, and obviously with Vic Fangio leading the way, they were in that conversation. And look, they were in that Cincinnati Bengals game. If they would have won that, they more than likely would have gone on to be in the playoffs, maybe as a wild card that season in Vic's final year in Denver. But for Jerry, I, I think we look at his rookie season. It was the COVID year. You know how weird of a year that was for so many players? And just imagine being a rookie and that being your first experience of the NFL was really different than what we're accustomed to seeing now with standard media coverage. I mean, all these guys got to know media via Zoom. And the process was a little different because you had different protocols and you couldn't do things the way that you can now do them today as we're in a more safer place right now. So for Jerry, the drops really summarized his rookie season. The next year, Pat Shermer didn't even utilize him. And that was a disappointing thing to see last year. We didn't see him utilized enough. And I think the game plan became so stale on the offensive side of the ball that, okay, Jerry's going to stay here. Cortland's going to stay here. And defenses were adjusting. We saw when you move Jerry Judy around, he's not just playing X. He's not just playing slot. He's not just playing Z. He's playing all those positions. You see good things happen when you make him a part of your game plan because opposing defenses view him as the most dangerous man on the field in terms of if they're in the secondary covering. We need to know where number 10 is at all times. Here's the other thing. He's unguardable one-on-one. -on -one. I think that is something that stands out to me. Now, with all the tools that Jerry has, I think coming out this upcoming season, and Sarah, I think that the question is, is how many yards is he going to get? I think we can do some episodes of the show later. We get some predictions on that. But for me, I don't necessarily believe that Jerry needs to go out and, and haul in 1,500 yards receiving in order to be a foundational piece. I think what we saw last year, you maximize your opportunities with him as a route runner. I mean, six touchdowns last year, a three-in-one game. If he can get to six, seven, eight touchdowns, and even double-digit touchdowns this year, to me it says, hey, he is one of those players. He doesn't need to be the guy that's going on putting up 1,500 yards. You would like that. I mean, that would be great things. But if he's scoring touchdowns and he's giving the Broncos a chance to win with all the other personnel that they have, to me, I think that's foundational. I, while I, I, I want to get your thoughts here on Jerry, I do think we can also make an argument. When you look at Tim Patrick, Patrick has every argument as well to be a foundational player at the wide receiver position. But let's hear on J on Jerry, and then I want to get your uh, your thoughts here on Tim Patrick as well. I want to use a little bit of an analogy here for all my uh, fellow Super Mario fans. Right when I was a kid growing up, I had a ton of fun playing the 2D version of Super Mario. Right on the Super Nintendo, 
great game, fun game, still plays to this day. I still have it. But then, Cody, in, in, in the mid to late 90s there, they came out with a little something called the Nintendo 64. And it all of a sudden brought Super Mario in 3D. And all of a sudden, now you're in an open world game. I kind of feel like that's where we're heading with Jerry Judy. For the first three years of his NFL career, we've been playing that 2D. You go from left to right as fast as you can and, and all these sorts of different things. Now we're going to move to 3D with Sean Payton calling the shots. It's it's a completely different game. It's something we've probably never even thought of or seen before. Like you mentioned, defenses got so used to defending the Broncos in certain ways last year that, I mean, it became easy for them to stop. And so now it's going to be you have the right person calling plays offensively to utilize these personnel. I think you're going to be going from essentially from what we've seen in recent years going from a 2D game to a 3D open world game, and it's going to be just completely different than we've recognized. But I agree with you as well on Tim Patrick. I feel like we talked about this with Russ. You pull a piece of the foundation out, it's like Jenga, right? It's going to crumble. It's going to completely fall. What happened last year when Tim Patrick was removed from the equation, right? The Broncos offense really struggled. And it's no coincidence that during training camp at the early portion of last year, OTAs, there were a lot of rumors that Russ was really building chemistry with Tim Patrick, who was coming off of two very good years in 2020 and 2021. In fact, his 2021 season, Cody, he probably would have got the designation we gave to Jerry Judy last year as the Broncos' best offensive player that year. He was that good and valuable. I think really when you pull a guy like Tim Patrick out of the equation, it takes so much more than just a, a 6'4 receiver out there. You take It takes away one of your best emotional leaders on the field takes away one of your best downfield blockers takes away one of your best options in the red zone takes away one of your best options on 50 50 balls tim patrick can do so many different things he doesn't need to be a 120 target kind of guy to be a foundational piece which i agree with you i think he really has been Broncos country what are your thoughts do you believe that jerry judy is a foundational piece of the offense what about tim patrick let us know your thoughts. If you agree with us, disagree with us. If you're watching on YouTube, comment on the video, like the video for the algorithm, interact with other members of Broncos country. Or if you're listening to this, wherever you get your podcast, you can always tweet us your thoughts at Cody Rourke NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked On Broncos. Our conversation on today's episode of the show, talking about foundational players on offense, continues with one player who has a lot of questions surrounding his health and maybe what he looks like coming back from an injury. But why is he a foundational piece in ours? We'll talk about Javante Williams. You'll get that on today's episode of the show real quick let me tell you to go check out the locked on nfl podcast for your next listen after this show go check out locked on nfl on youtube or wherever you get your podcast so you can get the latest conversation on some of the biggest topics right now that are going on around the national football league ahead of the start of nfl training camp the local experts on the biggest stories they have you covered at the locked on nfl podcast wherever you get your podcast and on youtube Javante Williams has all the tools in his arsenal to become a foundational player for the Broncos offense. Can he be that here in 2023 as he comes back from an ACL injury last season? Thank you so much, Broncos country, for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day. And a special shout out to all the everydayers out there as well who listen Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcast or watch the YouTube shows Sunday through Thursday. We appreciate you so much for making this show exactly what it is. Let's open things up here now, Sarah, to Javante Williams. And I feel like a lot of the conversation, look, especially with Javante's injury, it makes me very passionate about this. I might be one of the only, one of the very few that believes this, but there's a crowd out there that doesn't value running backs, you know, in a sense that you don't pay running backs money. And I think 
that when you look at the running back position, I think you make an argument for the AFC West. You look at Austin Eckler. Look at the amount of touchdowns and production he had for the Chargers offense. And they're saying, don't pay him? Like, come on. He's a big reason why they were winning games there. So for me, I look at Javante Williams. I, I think we saw in his rookie season, we saw how special of a player that he was in terms of even splitting carries with Melvin Gordon. He looked like the better all-around running back. Last year, we saw a little bit more from him in the passing game. He was a big part of the Broncos offense, kept some drives alive in some third and long situations last season, and then he suffered the torn ACL in week four. And then what happened after week four, Sarah? What did the offense look like? Like, it looked bad through the first four weeks, but it looked worse after Javante's injury. And to me, that goes to show, hey, Javante is a foundational piece here for the offense. His ability to run between tackles, his ability to be a receiver out of the backfield is very underrated at this point. But on top of that, He's also a guy that just plays with so much heart, and that's hard to replicate at that position. It's hard to replicate in today's NFL for the crowd that says don't pay running backs or running backs don't matter. And specifically when Javante was drafted, I think a lot of people were upset even that the Broncos used that high of a pick on a running back, right? There was a lot of discussion about that of not not just don't pay him, but don't draft them high, like take them late. And there is some validity to that, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, if you can get a difference maker on offense, this is a team that has been absolutely bleeding out on that side of the ball since 2016, right? So you're you really can't be overly picky in that regard. Of course, you'd love to see you know uh, every draft pick work out perfectly, and and that doesn't always happen. But I think Javante has proven himself to be a key key piece of this Denver Broncos team, and. Now the question mark is, of course, going to be his health going into year three. What are you going to get from him? And the most encouraging news from OTAs, quite frankly, was the fact that Javante was out there, even in a limited fashion, and looking good doing so. So if he's available for the start of training camp, even in a limited way, Cody, to me, that means that by the time the regular season gets here, we're going to be getting at least, you know, pretty close to the the true full version of Javante Williams, whereas you and I have had discussions on this podcast back in free agency during the draft process, wondering, are the Broncos going to need to make a contingency plan for him for the first half of the season or more? And now it's looking like, man, I, I mean, is he going to be out there carrying the ball or touching the ball 20 times in week one? Like, we don't know exactly what the future is going to hold there. But Javante is somebody who, yes, he, he drags defenders. Yes, he's got a couple, at least a couple, right? Angry run scepters. You know, he's a, a big time after contact running back, which is so crucial in today's NFL, drew those comparisons during the draft. Remember that video the Broncos posted behind the scenes where they're talking about guys like Nick Chubb, Ezekiel Elliott. Like if he can get to that level of consistency that those guys have been at, at least for Zeke early in his career, man, Javante Williams, it's not going to matter where he was drafted. Nobody's going to care how much money he's getting paid. He is going to be an absolute superstar People don't realize that what, what value that brings to this Sean Payton offense, I think. Just having that consistent, uh, that piece in the running game who can contribute in the passing game. Not just as a receiver, but man, Javante was known at North Carolina for breaking some face masks there in pass protection as well. He's everything you want at the running back spot. Now the question is, will he be healthy? Well, let's take a look, too, at how the game has changed for the running backs specifically. Remember the day you and I, and I think a lot of Broncos fans on here, you look at back in the days of Terrell Davis, right? Terrell Davis was the show. He was the workhorse. He was the main guy, the running back position there. And obviously they had some fullback stuff going on there, but TD was a singular show there in terms of when you look at running backs. 
Adrian Peterson, LaDainian Tomlinson were great examples of this. But then the game over the years has evolved to where it's kind of going away from just one running back being that prominent guy. Because I honestly, outside of Derrick Henry, you don't see guys built the way that Adrian Peterson or even like how guys like how Derrick Henry is built these days. Nowadays, you're seeing like 5'10", 5'11", short, stockier, little muscular backs. But overall, the game has changed. The demand for the position has changed entirely. So now where the game for most teams around the NFL, they're evolving into a by committee approach, which isn't an indictment. Right. But I also think it's because we we're now seeing like a, a lot of positions and a lot of teams don't want to pay running backs. So like, you know what? We don't want to pay a running back all this money. We're going to have multiple guys here, but you need multiple guys because it is the one position on the field outside of offensive line, defensive line and linebacker that absorbs the most contact. You can actually make the argument running back probably absorbs more contact and more of the hard hits than anybody else in the entire NFL. So for me, I look at that. You can still have a foundational piece of running back and still use multiple backs. And not only that, Sarah, I also believe when you do this approach, and we're going to start seeing this, I'm sure there's going to be some studies. I think that longevity for the running back position in terms of players playing longer than maybe expected when we talk about the overall expectation of careers in the league, I think it's going to increase at the running back position, which is a good thing. I think it preserves the game, but also gives you a chance to, to balance out maybe what you have because, hey, one running back may do something really well. You look at Derrick Henry, what does he do? He's big, he's stocky, he can absorb 35 carries a game. You can't do that with some of these short, smaller guys because it's just not sustainable. It doesn't make sense. And when you can spread that production out, maybe a guy's really good at, at receiving. Like we're going to keep, keep an eye on Jaleel McLaughlin during training camp and preseason. You can find balance and you can make your offense even better by having more. You know what they say? Less is more. But I think when you have more running backs, I think it can actually lead to more production overall because these guys offer different things, different strengths. And I think that's something that Sean Payton values. And you mentioned how the game has evolved through the years. And of course, not everybody is going to be able to be this guy. But I think of like Christian McCaffrey, right, who has missed a lot of time due to injury in his NFL career. But his game is such that you are able to really, like you said, kind of elongate that career down the line. Like a lot of a lot of NFL players, not just running backs. Uh, we know the shelf life for running backs is is short, but that's really what you're talking about in terms of. Yeah, three years, if that like those bell cow types of guys who are getting way too many carries on a weekly basis. But if you can kind of spread that out, you can help elongate these guys' careers. Yes, there may be times where like Javante last year, you missed the season due to an ACL, but you're able to come back because of the advances in medical technology, recovery process, the way these guys are able to come back from these injuries, you can actually come back bigger, better, stronger, faster, however you want to say it. And have a longer career beyond that. So it's not just like with Terrell Davis, that knee injury was it really ended his career effectively. I mean, he tried to come back after that, but it wasn't the same. And he ended up having a shortened NFL career because of it. That's not the case really for a lot of NFL players anymore. There are derail guys and they become consistent. But like look at look at Christian McCaffrey struggling with those injuries for a couple of years after a few really big years in Carolina, then he gets traded to San Francisco. And what happened? we start to see that he's able to, once again, consistently be out there on the field available, not just taking the lion's share of carries, but being a, a valuable receiver out of the backfield, doing a lot of different things. It's offensive weapons anymore in today's NFL. It, as we talk about defenses becoming positionless, offenses are trending towards that direction as well. Look to teams like the 49ers to see 
how can the Broncos preserve the careers of some of their best players? Because you see players in San Francisco getting used all over the place. Devontae Williams is one of those guys. Maybe he's not going to be a slot receiver anytime soon, but hey, maybe he will do some of that. Who knows? He could do a lot of things. So I think Sean Payton is the right guy to have in charge of his future in the league. We're excited to see what's to come here at Broncos training camp with these players, specifically Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy, Javante Williams. And that'll wrap up Broncos country today's episode of the show. But if you're an everydayer, here's one thing we want to suggest tomorrow's episode of the show. Make sure you tune in because Sarah and myself, we're going to talk about young players, second year and younger, who we feel like can evolve into foundational pieces for the team going forward, whether it's on offense, whether that's on defense, you're going to get that and much more in tomorrow's brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos. Real quick, thank you so much for making us part of your day every single day. Like this video on YouTube, comment on it for the algorithm, and also make sure you engage with other members in Broncos country as well. Sarah and myself will be back tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show.